From the Bill of Rights Institute, Fabric of History weaves together U.S. history, founding principles, and what all of this means to us today. Join us as we pull back the curtains of the past to see what's inside. All right, hi everybody. So we're back with the Fabric of History, and today we're going beyond the beard. So we're going to think about beards in history, and specifically beards and presidents, because of course at the Bill of Rights Institute, we spend a lot of time talking about presidents. It's a presidential election year, so we're excited to dive in. So I'm Mary, and I'm here with you again, and I'm joined with Erin. Hello. And a special welcome to Kirk, who is joining us for this particular podcast. Hi, Kirk. Hello. Tell us a little bit about what you do here at BRI. Sure. So I am the Senior Manager of Education here at the Bill of Rights Institute. So I oversee the development of all of BRI's educational content. And he also rocks a beard. So yes. that's one of the other reasons <laughs> Full disclosure. he has joined us today. I do have a beard, and I am slightly biased toward bearded presidents, mm-hmm. particularly Benjamin Harrison, who is from my home state of Indiana. That's fascinating. Aaron and I do not have beards, and um, we're also just putting that out there. All right, so let's talk beards. So here at the Bill of Rights Institute, we spend a lot of time thinking about presidents and, strangely enough, beards. We have several bearded employees in the office, and it's funny how often the conversation comes back to beards. So we, put, we decided to put the two together, presidents and beards. So for the past several decades, it's always been a clean-shaven face that wins the presidential race. But was this always the case? Facial hair used to be pretty on trend while running for political office, but what changed and why are we so hard pressed to name bearded presidents today? So who are these presidents that rocked beards and mustaches and mutton chops? Can we go beyond the beard? So when I, well, granted, so I spend a lot of time working on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So that's BRI's forthcoming A-Push online resource, which is really exciting. And currently I'm looking at the 1960s and there's a lot of pictures of the hippies and the counterculture with the beards. And I can't help but note, I I always think to myself, these people look like they smell bad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is really, maybe I shouldn't say that, but that is what I think of. And so I think it's really interesting that during the 60s, having the beard was, it turned into this stigma of America hating because the counterculture was all about, you know, sticking it to the man and the establishment and the power elite. And you have this beard and that was your way of going against that. But I think it's super interesting, though, because you're looking at uh, beards being countercultural. Right. So there's a sense that, you know, in the 1950s, you have this clean shaven look. Right. The the high and tight haircuts and everything's supposed to be, um, you know, particularly during the Eisenhower administration, that mm-hmm. like very clean all-American, I'm doing air quotes, it's mm-hmm. hard to do on a podcast, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> uh, but you have that all-American look, right? And uh, in the 1960s with the counterculture, it's that those beards are on the outside, um, that they are something that is is a sign of rebellion, is a sign of uh, going against what's expected and trying to show off personality and identity in a different kind of a way. Um, and it's interesting because, yeah, looking back at other bearded president or other, other bearded periods, I guess, uh, it wasn't countercultural, especially in the um, 1850s, 1860s, um, even in the 1880s and 1890s. You have a lot more of these um, these these political officials who are certainly a part of uh, 
what the counterculture uh, would call society, doing my air quotes again, yeah. <laughs> uh, really rocking that facial hair. Um, We're kind of flipping back now because beards are very popular in our society today. Um, so I actually found a loophole to, this will take us back to the, to the 19th century, that Kirk referenced the other day, that it's true that the four, so the four presidents there, of course, referring to are, that were impeached. So you have Trump, Clinton, Andrew Johnson, and Nixon, who was almost impeached. None of them had beards. But Rutherford B. Hayes, they tried to impeach him, and he did have a beard, but he was never actually impeached. Ah, okay. So that was pretty interesting. I did a book report on him in elementary school. <laughs> I don't remember learning that about him, but I did look that up about him. Well, it's also interesting presidents. because yeah. um, Hayes also apparently wore the longest beard ah. of all presidents. Yeah, it was very Dust so, Dynasty. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Well, also doing this research, um, they there was one website, and there was describing all the different beards and they um said oh this is this guy has a beard like the actor from the home alone movie or um <laughs> even all, right. well they showed a picture it was okay. i don't remember who One of the wet the, bandits i yeah. guess the, no it wasn't the wet bandit because it was um oh the neighbor what, it was the neighbor yeah. yes yes wow. yes exactly good memory good there. Yeah. Right. yeah i'm impressed um <laughs> but it was really funny going through how they described each president's beard. Yeah. But maybe that's what we kind of need to pivot to is talking <laughs> about these presidents and not, well, and not just beards, right? There's, because we didn't have a bearded president until Lincoln, but there were a lot of other presidents before that that had some sort of facial hair mm-hmm. that that's still true. probably fall under this, even though it's named Beyond the Beard. Right. Yeah. Still falls under that. It's still impressive. It's yeah. still worth talking about. Yep. Oh yeah, some of them are very impressive. So the the whole term mutton chops, I just I again, just think of full disclosure. Meat. It just sounds gross to me. So I was looking up where did this word come from, and it's apparently if the mutton chops are trimmed properly, it's supposed to look like this particular cut of the meat along the spine. It just sounded way too butchery. Um, apologies to any butchers who might be listening to our podcast right now. But John Quincy Adams had mutton chops as well as Martin Van Buren, which is a pretty, I don't know, it's a look that you don't see too often today. Taken Maybe seriously. Those will be, but you never be know. brought back as well, you it's, know, with all well, they're, the, they're the beard there. resurgence. Yeah, they're out there. I think some people are really going to, yeah. And yeah. everyone out there, help us bring it back. Yeah. But they were edgy at the time, right? Um, but I think it was it was on trend um, in the eighteen teens to have that kind of full full facial hair, um, and then moving into you know especially just before Lincoln. So um, uh, one of the reasons, at least I've read that uh, beards became popular during that period in the eighteen sixties, is because of the Crimean War, uh, which was fought between um, Britain and um, Russia and. Um, a whole bunch of people were involved. The Ottoman Empire for the French. Um, it's famous for being, you know, the charge of the Light Brigade, um, the Battle of Sevastopol, and all that kind of stuff. But um, during that war, there was a relaxation in the British Army of uh, facial hair requirements. And so they allowed guys on campaign because they were having a hard time either getting fresh water or getting shaving materials. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't keep the, the tight, closer cropped facial hair that was usually expected of them. So they let them grow beards. So when that conflict concludes, um, the late 1850s, you have all these guys that are coming back from these foreign battlefields that all have these like rugged, you know, manly beards looking unkempt and unshaved. And so it was like reflective of this really kind of manly, 
you know, mm-hmm. tough guy culture of these guys coming back. And so people started growing beards after that in fashion because it was, um, or so I've read, uh, reflective of being a part of that uh, sort of experience and uh, everybody wanted to associate with it. And so there the beard trend took back off and starting with Lincoln moving forward. I'm not sure if Lincoln grew his beard because of that, but. Um, oh, well, I, um, there's that letter that that girl wrote. Oh yeah. When, um, he, so he was, didn't have a beard when he was campaigning. Uh He was clean shaven. Um, and then he got a letter in March of 1861 from an 11 year old girl named Grace Bedell, um, in New York. And you guys want me to read what this letter said? Yeah. All right, let's do it. She goes, I have yet got four brothers, and part of them will vote for you anyway. And if you let your whiskers grow, I will try and get the rest of them to vote for you. You would look a great deal better for your face is so thin. All the ladies like whiskers, and they would tease their husbands to vote for you, and then you would be president. Kind of got it right, but he did. After that, he started growing a beard. I do think Lincoln is one of those people who genuinely looks better with a beard. Agree. Yeah. I think she she hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That he his face was too thin with a beard. You know, he looked a lot more substantial. I it also did. really like the term whiskers, and I wish that would, <laughs> that would come back along with the beard. Because and that, mutton chops. Right. Not not mutton chops so much. <laughs> we'll we'll me, rename it for Mary. Whiskers is is adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start calling my husband saying he has whiskers. <laughs> It is interesting, though, thinking about how the image of a president would have worked in those days, because not only was actively campaigning not really a thing, they didn't go around and give speeches like we're seeing from the candidates in the in the primary races now, but um, but also just seeing images of these people wasn't wasn't as prevalent, right? So I wonder how much that factored into their decisions to grow beards or not grow beards. Today, Lincoln would probably have a committee of you know ten people telling him how to dress and. You know, oh, right. Yeah. Well, he what would colors have this you can and cannot wear. Okay. So I think, so we have Lincoln is the first president with a beard. So who are some of these other presidents with beards that maybe we've forgotten about today? Maybe we'll take a quick break and talk more about them when we get back. Okay, so before the break, we had just talked about Abraham Lincoln being the first truly bearded president. Fun fact, it was not a full beard, and it was known as a chin strap, which is also super interesting. But so we were talking about this arc of presidential beards. So Lincoln starts us off, and then they get a little bit longer with Rutherford B. Hayes, and then they kind of trickle out again. So Aaron was saying something about a pie chart of beards. This is intriguing. Please tell me more. Yeah, about some, this. I guess, some guy, you know, that made this his research um, and was doing, pulling some data on why have we had president this big time period where all these presidents had beards or different facial hair, and we haven't seen that for the past hundred years, basically. And so he. You know, pulled all his data points and then converted it into a pie chart that is color coded that you read like a clock from you know, 12 clockwise all the way around reading from uh, 12 being the first president all the way again to 12 being current day 
And I would say from two to five, it's all blue. And that was all bearded presidents or presidents who had facial hair. And then six, all the way back to 12, has been clean-shaven presidents. And it's really interesting that there's just this very clear time period where it was all about the facial hair and then it just has stopped so abruptly and we've just continued to this trend that you know clean shaven men thus far have uh, been seen as president but it's it's been interesting i was also there was a study that was done in 2010 that since um women have won the right to vote that facial hair became less popular among politicians because of its association with um, chauvinism and domestic violence. Like there was this connection that was done in this study. And you think about it, those like 1920 wasn't too far off from Mm -hmm. Howard Taft, which was 1913. And so again, correlation does not equal causation. That is just one study. That was done. So once women got the right to vote, men started not having beards anymore because beards were associated with chauvinism. Whenever I think about bearded presidents, I'm always thinking about, you know, from Hayes in 1876 or the election of the presidency in 1877, but then up through, um, I think uh, Benjamin Harrison is like when it tails off for me. But I think when, (laughs) when I'm referring to bearded presidents, I guess that's what I'm always thinking of. Um, And that period's interesting to me because everybody always forgets those presidents, it seems like, like Garfield, poor Garfield, didn't have much time in office. Um, you know, Cleveland was. I don't know anything about James Garfield yeah. other than he was assassinated. Yeah, but of the assassinations, he's the one people usually overlook too, right? Yeah, like, well, that's because he wasn't. He didn't he not die right away? He went to go and recuperate, I believe. He and then yeah. got an infection a couple of days later. Yeah, it happened fairly quickly. A few um, days. Yeah. But, yeah. It, you know, I think that's why people really remember assassinations because it was kind yeah. of like, oh, my gosh, this happened and they're, de- that's they're true. dead and the vice president takes over. And this was just kind of more of a slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. But people remember like William Henry Harrison, you know, and his <laughs> pneumonia. But uh, but I think, people, I think people forget those presidents because they just weren't as uh, unlike now where the executive branch is very much like the branch in the government. During that period, the legislative branch was much more the dominant uh, mm-hmm. branch. And so because of that, that's where most of the debates took place. That's where most of the, the action was. Um, that's So my working theory is that those poor bearded presidents get overlooked because of that. So maybe they were growing a beard because they just were willing to stand out. They're well, like, hey, again, to assert their manhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it falls right? right in line with this theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Well, and so. then they even say that's why Martin Van Buren had these giant mutton chops because he was only 5'6". Yeah. And so it was trying to... Make him look like a bigger person. Yeah. He was also in the shadow of Andrew Jackson, who had quite the personality. So yeah. he's trying to make himself stand out a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Did it work? No. <laughs> well, I, do, I think that, that just the idea of looking presidential is very interesting, because I think that's something that's, I don't know if that's a pendulum swing, or that's just changing with the times, or reflecting the times, but like you said, in the 20th century. So Taft was our last president with facial hair, and he just had a mustache, although it was pretty great mustache yeah. his mustache it's a killer mustache yeah. Yeah. and he did not get stuck in the bathtub disappointingly but I'm, i heard that that's just not true um but but yeah and all in the 20th century they've, they've all been clean shaven so is that going to continue because like you said there's so much this resurgence of beards there's this whole aisle 
on beard gear in Target. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Like, I can't even go down here because I don't have a beard. I, I'm thinking like though, like our, we have our, we were talking about beards in the counterculture movement. And I wonder if it's still transitioning almost out of another iteration of that today. Oh boy. I wonder though, too, that if, because popular public image is so image driven now, right? And we were talking about that a little bit earlier, but I wonder if beards are just, or facial hair generally is just more divisive. And so, you know, you're more neutral if you're clean shaven. And so, you know, hmm. uh, you're going to appeal to a broader range of people, whereas the beard, people are either going to like it or not like it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Or we're on a trend and soon, you know, before beards weren't, uh, you know, seen as clean and professional. And now maybe they, they will be soon. Or maybe we'll see a hipster president with flowers in his beard. And the whole deal. The man great. bun. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whiskers, mutton chop, Whiskers. man bun. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. I wonder what president had the longest hair, actually, now that you say that. Yeah. Oh, they were, well, I'm, that's actually kind of an interesting another subject. Yeah. All presidents have had short hair, right? Short-ish uh, hair. Washington, Washington had a cue, right? So he had his hair tied up. I think in but a, those were wigs. Does that count? No, Washington's wasn't a wig. It wasn't a wig? That was a, a real deal, man. What? Yeah. Well, yeah, I go on. But Jefferson I still pulled Madison back. had those, too. I don't know if yeah. those were wigs, but. Okay. Yeah. That's when my hair was But short. again, it was pulled back. Did you, you do know? the cue? Yeah. And so. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I, you know, want to see a president who has just has his hair down. Right. We're talking earlier. Know. You know? It's interesting. Out your hair. I do think it's I do think it is pretty divisive or I think it's just a very divisive thing. So I do think yeah. maybe it's just that it's easier for a politician to just not have one. Right. But perhaps that will be changing. I would but do wonder, though, talking about you know, image consultants for political candidates and if this is actually a conversation that comes up, you can or cannot grow a beard. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm yes. sure it does. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But I, I think, too, I, again, it comes down to, like, the professional business of uh, of government. So maybe, you know, maybe it's just the role the government plays in our lives now and, and how that's changed. But um, but it's interesting uh, that beards are still seen as, I, I guess, fashionable or, um, or also in arts. Like, you see a lot of musicians with beards and things like that, mm -hmm. and, um, which I think has been a trend. Uh, I think artists have always – we were talking about Walt Whitman earlier – I think Walt Whitman certainly had like a pretty gnarly beard. He looks like Gandalf. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, it's very triangular. See, but yeah. this is, we're doing exactly what we're assuming everyone else would do if a political candidate had See, a beard. Yeah, exactly. We exactly. Are, are critiquing every single beard and For facial sure. hair of everyone we have talked about. Right. And I, mean, I guess therein lies probably the problem for all those political candidates. I guess, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to put yourself on the national stage like that, I guess you have to be ready for people to, to pick you apart, which is sad, but I think it's kind of true. But you should tell us, what do you think about facial hair? And on, are we going to see a bearded president in the next 20 years? Please let us know your thoughts or any thoughts at comments at fabricofhistory.org. The Bill of Rights Institute engages, educates, and empowers individuals with a passion for the freedom and opportunity that exists in a free society. Check out our educational resources and programs on our website, mybri.org. Any questions or suggestions for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Just email us at comments at fabricofhistory.org. 
And don't forget to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to stay connected and informed about future episodes. Thank you for listening. 